it's tough to do the right things all the time, but it's the right thing. And so when you find that you start practicing these things right from the start, it makes it easier over time because it becomes part of the culture. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. So let's start with a question. What does it take to be a true leader today? Not just for individuals, but also for companies. The landscape's changed, businesses changed, people continue to change as always. And what we relied on in the past is proving to be nothing more than an anchor to current and future success. This is an important question because the workforce of today, whether it's Gen X, Millennials, Gen Z, they all want something slightly different. They have different expectations of their employers and of themselves. They interface with the concept of work differently than many. And today, we're going to discuss what it takes to be a modern hero type leader. To tackle the topic, we have with us Jeffrey Hazlett, CEO of C-Suite Networks and host of the All Business Podcast, former CMO of Eastman Kodak, and author of The Hero Factor, a book focused on creating modern heroes. Jeffrey, thank you very much for taking the time and welcome to the show. Well, pleasure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Excellent. So before we jump into the topic, we'd like to start with a question just to provide a little bit more nuance uh, for you to our audience. So we'd love to understand, you know, one passion or one hobby that you have that people that know you or that, you know, know your professional persona would be surprised that you are passionate about. Well, I don't know if they'd be surprised because I live my life pretty much out in the open, but I am a I am just an avid hunter and outdoorsman, so I spend a great deal of time outdoor. You might be surprised, though, that I collect a lot of uh, first edition books. Really? Uh, that are, yeah, that are signed. Like, I have every Louis L'Amour book, first edition, sometimes either two or three deep, and they're all signed and signed by Louis L'Amour. I'm a, I, I love books, and, and I used to have, like, uh, literally – about seven or 8,000 uh, of them in my library. I downsized and now I only, I only keep first edition signed books or reference books that I really want to go back to. That's all I keep anymore. Wow. Nice to that. So did you go d- totally digital with all your books like Kindle or? No, no I don't like, I don't do that. I, I still like reading an old fashioned book. Um, I do have books on, on Kindle and, and, and Nook and, and, uh, you know, partly because a lot of my book, all my books are on those, uh, those, th- those things as well. So I like to support the people that support me, but I'm a paper guy. I like to read it on paper. Well, I mean, if there's, there's something that from, I mean, from my perspective, yeah, I would agree with you 100%. It's a little bit more intimate. There's a little bit more connection to the concept. There's something about that tactile feel, and, you know, some of the art and the way that they choose to strategically create covers and, and call sheets are, are pretty interesting as well. Well, I mean, you know, I've, I, I read my books or do the audio for them, you know, um, whatever you call it, and narrate my own books. And, and you can't narrate some portions of it that, you know, like a chart. Right. It's tough to, it's tough to narrate that. So <laughs> it's like, uh, okay, now in the upper right-hand corner, you know, way up here, um, you're trying to describe this and it's just not the same as if when you see it in visually or whatever. And you can't, it's, it's like, although it's interesting, 
I have signed a, a number of iPads and readers in my career. Really? Where people, <laughs> yeah, people come up with their iPad and ask you to sign it. Like, oh, okay, sure. Um, you know, you do those kind of things. But, you know, I do like writing in them. I, I like handing the book to someone. I almost right. always will, uh, you know, I'll be on a plane, I'll be reading the book. Or my son and I read a lot of books that are the same. We, we read a lot of history books like, um, you know, I've been rereading a book on, on Jerusalem by uh, Montague, so I can't, Montague, I think is his name. But anyway, I've been, I've been, uh, been reading, you know, we read things like that. So he and I will read something and we'll pass it on. Uh, it wasn't long ago. I cite, him, I cite her in the, in the new hero book, but uh, about the founder of, of Theranos, the, the blood testing group that was called the book was called bad blood which was a really good read a really good read about deception and fraud and just just a real asshat company excellent excellent all right so for our listeners now let's get a little closer to the topic give them a little more context around c-suite networks uh and your role there yeah so i'm the chairman the founder of the c-suite network along with a couple of partners and and uh, we created our you know most trusted community of c-suite executives and the people that serve them we're trying to be a very trusted platform. We recently picked up the asset.ceo. So if you you know want to have your name.ceo, uh, it's a top-level domain. We, we have communities. We have events. We have uh, media. So we own C-Suite TV, C-Suite Radio, C-Suite Book Club. We now starting kicking off C-Suite Academy, a C-Suite Speakers Bureau. I mean, so we're, we're really trying to be all things to the to leaders of businesses. That's our key. And then we have some specialty groups uh, like the AI Council and all leadership councils, women's groups, councils, leadership groups. Uh, we have uh, the Hero Club, which is our most elite group of uh, value-based CEOs, which is um, you know what we recently wrote the book about, the, the Hero Factor. So yeah, we're just excited about all the things that we're doing and it's just growing like gang, gangbusters. Yeah, for those who hadn't heard of it before in the audience, please, I highly recommend you check it out. I was doing so in, in preparation for this interview, and it is quite an impressive collection of content and insight. So please take a look at that. Let's start with a definition of leadership, right? To set some context. I've heard hundreds of them. We probably all have. I think the one that has a tendency to stick with me is leadership is the ability to uh, convince others to give up leading themselves and, and follow you, which you know, there's some truth in there, but I don't know if it's nuanced enough for today. So I'm kind of curious, how do you define leadership? Well, the ability to get others to follow in a, in a like-minded fashion. I think that's, that's truly the, truly what it is. It's the influence, the influence over others to make them do the things that you would like them to do, you know, so, and, and, but always tied to some destination. You know, I think a, you know, a leader is more than just an idea. It's about a place to go. It's about painting the picture. It's about being able to motivate and inspire others to do and want the same. Excellent. And, and in the new book, you've got a new book out, The Hero Factor. Can you give just a quick overview of kind of the core concepts and what readers might expect when they pick it up? Yeah. Back in 1998, a gentleman by the name of uh, Rob Ryan sold his company for over $20 billion. When he sold his company, he set aside a certain percentage for all the employees, making it the single largest number of millionaires ever created in one day. He didn't need to do it. Uh, he and his wife, Terry, who was the chief legal officer, did it. And all these employees would come up to him and say, Mr. Ryan, Mrs. Ryan, you don't know me, but I'm the night watchman or I'm the, I'm the, um, you know, the janitor and I can send my kids to college or I can pay for my wife's mother's operation. 
And, you know, they would say, you're my hero. And so he pulled together a group of people and started to have them build on similar values and, and could never get it to scale, found what we were doing with the C-suite network, and it became part of the, the C-suite network. We changed it a little bit by making and asking CEOs to sign a pledge that says, basically, you're not going to be an asshole, that you're going to be a real leader, you know, <laughs> um, you know, that when you do make it big, you'll remember and, and you'll run your business in a hero fashion, which means a hero culture. And we find that, you know, you know, Jim Collins, somebody has been describing the Jim Collins book, uh, good to great. This takes over after good to great, because it talks about the kinds of companies, the hero factor talks about the, the, how people put people, how, Leaders put people over profit and about how to change the way in which we look at the way companies serve communities, customers, vendors, and, and the world. And by and large, most companies do that. And this is a recognition uh, to separate those companies that run hero cultures away from everybody else. There's a lot of different kinds of businesses out there. There's, there's a good company, you know, just does a good job. There's the wannabes, there's the do-gooders, there's the bottom liners. Then there's those asset companies I talked about a little bit earlier, you know. And by the way, I picked that word so that I could say, because I used to call these companies some bad words and very derogatory <laughs> language. But we all know what assets means. They're zeros. They're losers. Yeah. These are Bernie Madoffs, the, you know, the people that, you know, that charge, you know, exorbitant amounts for EpiPens or whatever. Right. And, and when they don't need to. And, and I, I tried to pick a word that I could get by the censors with an asset <laughs> was the one. So, you know, and so now, and then, and then in the upper right hand corner, you know, we can't do it. The podcast, we go to page 12 of the book uh, or go to, or go to the hero factor book.com. And I'll give you a free assessment, a free assessment. You can, you can, you can test yourself, test your business, but the hero companies are in the upper right hand corner, the highest profits, the highest revenues, the highest, values of companies and what's interesting is that hero companies just are off the charts in terms of making making more money doing more revenue than anyone in their categories anyone in their industries in any index and then they also have happier customers they have happier employees and certainly more pleased vendors because they operate with great value so it's just a way of saying look we're going to be there are businesses that are different than other businesses, and these are the best ways. You know, look, I bought and sold over 250 companies in my career, and billions of dollars. My last last company I was at, I managed a budget, just a budget, a marketing budget of 17 billion. And, and I did well, and I've done well. But it doesn't mean I have to take it all. It doesn't mean I need it all. It doesn't mean I need 10 homes or whatever. You know, right. I can be comfortable. And, and, and this is about recognition that there's a bigger, there's a bigger play in this world than just you and a bigger play than just the bottom line and the top line. It's about, you know, doing the right things for the right reasons. So it's a very value-based organization. So, and I'm extremely passionate about it. And we've got hundreds of members now um, in our hero club. And this book was written as a way, as a, as a kind of a manifesto to help leaders start to, as I say in the book, pick a side, pick a side, decide what you want to do. 
And so, all right. So in companies today, I mean, you know, we've got the, I love the asset term. We've got the asset companies and we've got the heroes and that's the organization as a whole, right? And these organizations are all at some point, they're going through some type of transformation, put whatever modifier in front of a digital marketing sales or whatever it is. There's these huge investments in attempting to get these organizations to evolve. But I often see there's not enough investment in actually evolving the individuals, leadership, say not at the C-suite, but also throughout the organization because leadership's not just about the C-suite. There has to be types of other leadership throughout the organization. And what you're talking about is a, you know, it's a cultural shift for many. And I'm curious why you don't see what challenges you've seen in terms of these hero CEOs struggling with to push that type of leadership down into an organization. Well, it starts from the beginning. And it start, that's what I'm saying. You've got to pick a side. You have to decide what you want to be. You don't just wake up overnight. You know, I mean, you can. It just takes a while. Culture is something that develops. Culture is something that starts at the beginning. You know, it's tough to do the right things all the time. But it's the right thing. And so when you find that you start practicing these things right from the start, it makes it easier over time because it becomes part of the culture. Culture will eat. We'll eat, you know, execution and strategy for lunch, man. I mean, it, it just does. I mean, if you have a bad culture, I don't give a crap how much money you have, how much time you have, how, how good your product is. You, you can be crushed by it. And, and I've seen it time and time again, you know, in companies that they've either bought, sold, or, or you know, brought in to help, help build. So you have to make it from the beginning. And so, so leaders have to say, no, we're going to be inclusive. We're going to be diverse in thought, in people, in the way in which we do things. We're going to be transparent. You know, we're going to talk about the elephants in the room. We're going to talk about, hey, someone can raise their hand when they see a problem along the line, you know, in a production line or whatever it might be. And where you find you have those cultures that operate like that, hell, that's leadership, man. That's right there. You just said it. You know, it's there. And it's from the top down. Now, the biggest problem that most companies have about leadership 28% of the people who work at companies don't even know what the company stands for. <laughs> I, I, it's, that's just nuts that almost 30% of the people who work at a company don't know what the company stands for. So how about make sure that you know what, you know, I just, by the way, and I, I read that in my own book. I put that in my own book and I'm doing the audio version of the book and I'm going, holy crap, I'm not worthy. <laughs> you know, um, meaning, you know, I, I was sitting there, you know, reading, you know, again, reading my own stuff out loud. I got very emotional in the book because the book's got some very emotional pieces to it. But, but I was sitting there going, am I living up to the two values of my own stuff that I'm talking about? And, and, and the answer is no, because you never live to the true value. Just like a devout Christian who, who believes he's not, you know, good enough for God, right? It's the same right. thing. So, so you constantly try to live a better life. And that's what, I think hero leaders do every day. How can I make it better? How much, how can I make this better and better and better and better? And so when I was reading the book again, I went, Oh my gosh, I got to get the team together. And I did, you know, um, first week of January, I said, look, we get everybody read the book again, you know, and let's take the assessment again and let's go through this. And are we, are we living up to what we want to do in the C-suite network, for instance? And the team said, no, I said, you're right. We're not. Okay. So, <laughs> and, you know, so how do we change that, right? You know, how, we, how do we get better? And of course, immediately, immediately, everybody was, was in a better mood. Everybody was, was coming to me with this idea of this thing, all because we got clarity around what we stand for. 
And so, and, I mean, and that, was, that was so that, cool. That was so cool. That was cool. That was cool. To to do that though, you're talking about um, I, I would say you know based on the experience I've had in, in multinationals down to startups, you're, you're talking about individuals that have to be fairly well. Uh, I don't want to say grounded. Let, let's say, yeah, gr- no, gr- grounded is a good word. I think you're exactly right. Grounded and centered. You have to be comfortable. You have to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> great, great. You know what I mean? Because because right. they're gonna say stuff to you, and they do, and they and they did. Where I where my first reaction sometimes, and, and I look, I'm a very emotional guy. I just want to punch the person in the throat, right? <laughs> so, so, so you can't you you know like you like you can't do that, right? Because I'm a competitor, and you, you're saying my stuff doesn't work right, or my stuff isn't good, or or our company, you know, we suck. We're doing a terrible job at it, even when we're doing like we're growing at 400 percent, like we're doing, you know. So when someone says that to you, it's it's not easy. Right, you know, Chad. That's what you're getting to. Yeah, it, it takes not. it take it takes someone who says, "Deep breath." Okay, thank you. <laughs> you know, and by the way, an assessment by another individual doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It just means it's their assessment. Sure. So now, so now, let's have a discussion, and that's that's the kind of things I talk about in the book. Let's let's have healthy debate about it because you say that it sucks. Does it really suck? Is anyone going to die? You know. So, so then we, and then I got to, we, we go back and forth until we come to this realization of what maybe the real truth is or what we perceive to be the real truth is or the real situation of what it is. And so, yeah, it's not easy to do. It's not easy to do that. Let's be clear. If it was easy, I say this all the time. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Right. Right. And they don't. Yeah, so, I say that so it's, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's right. Right. It's, it's difficult. It's hard. And, and, and you, you have to, I like that phrase I just said a minute ago, you have to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, so when we think about that individuals, you know, individuals that end up in leadership positions, um, I've, I've known some that I would, you know, I'd follow to the ends of the earth because I got yep. what we were doing. And then some that, you know, it took about 72 hours for me to go no way in hell and jump ship. And so you mentioned, you know, you got to pick a side. Sometimes you can do it, just wake up overnight it's got to be easier. Maybe it's not easier. Maybe it's different kinds of challenges. If you set out from the beginning, the birth of a company and you pick a side versus say a company like, I don't know, Amazon, Jeff wakes up one morning and says, okay, we're going to switch. And now we're, you know, now I'm picking this side. Does that type of switch in those organizations that are already existing? Have you seen that actually create uh, friction or disturbances or because they pick a side, do you see the same result you saw when your team sat down for the C-suite network? You, you, no, you don't. It's because if you're, if you're constantly moving and they don't know where you're going, they'll try to anticipate where it's going, where it's going and you still won't get there. So it has to be a, a shared understanding. So everybody's good. Are you, can you change it now? The bigger you get, the harder it is, right? To steer the ship or change it. I mean, you know, I was the chief marketing officer at Kodak, you know, to try to turn the culture of that company was like, Oh my God, <laughs> every day it was like, you know, I felt better when I would bang my head up against a wall and then have someone throw the wall at my head. No. So, um, it was, it was just tough, but you know, I love the people and I still love what they originally intended to do. They just couldn't, we couldn't make the shift. You know, we couldn't realize that we weren't about a film company. We were, a, you know, a company that that make makes, manage, and moves images and information. We were, we were an emotional technology company. That's what right. we were. 
but we, you know, but the word became, we were a film company. And once that, once everybody drank that Kool-Aid, it was tough to get, get it switched. So you, you almost have to, you have to strip it down, right. And then remake it or, um, or drive it out. I mean, that's why it's, you know, a lot of times when you take over a company, you got to change its name. You have to, you know, cause a lot of people would say, Hey, we're the Creo people or we're the, we were this company. I, we see that a little bit in United and Continental. Right. You know, there's the Continental. I, I used to make me really upset when they first merged for the first year. They'd say, we're United. You're on a United flight with a Continental crew. Oh, man. <laughs> um, you know, that ain't going to work, right? That's right. not going to work. And, and you know, I even had some, I even called up the leadership of the company and who, you know, are friends of mine. And, and said, you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems if this kid, they keep saying that. First of all, they divide, it's divisive to, you know, customers, not to mention the employees. And imagine you have one United crew member on with that continental right. crew. How do they feel? It's just bad, you know? <laughs> and so, um, and so there, you know, those kind of things you have to kind of, you have to like suck up and go. So, you know, that's why I say pick a side. And you got to get everybody else to pick a side. And if you don't believe it, get the hell out. Right. Okay. Well, I think that's a lot of people he, he, struggle with that. Oh yeah. Well, the, but see, the, you know, I, I, I remember going to the Kodak one day and said, I can only move as my slowest come denominator. And so in the marketing is as we change and what we've got to do, we've got to move this money below the line, above the line. We've got to make this to happen. We got to do this. Here's the direction we're going. And for those of you who don't believe, I will hunt you down. <laughs> I will, I, you know, and I said that I, I said, I will find you. I, I will ask you to leave this company. I said, we will love you. We will love you, but we will miss you. And, 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 and I meant it. And I, I, I went around all the time looking for people who wouldn't do it because if you, wherever you find that, that, that one resistance, that two resistance, and by the way, you, it's more than one or two, a third of the people get it right away. I, it's my rule of thirds, third on everything. I don't care what you're doing. Okay. A, a third, a third of the people get it right away. A third eventually get it. And a third never do start replacing the third as soon as possible because they are going to drive your company down. Well, that's and, a constant churn, right? Like, I mean that you're oh, yeah. always, you're yeah. always going to have that. So it's a constant, it's, right. a, it's not a destination. It's a journey. And a lot of people today get distracted. Right. And yeah. uh, you know, I joke with our clients that your sales reps are ending up watching cat videos on Facebook when they were supposed to be doing research on a 10 K, right? They get distracted. It's, it's, it's amazing how hard it can be to stay focused and to stay diligent. Is there something that you see in leaders or individuals that predisposes them to have that type of, of focus and commitment? I don't know. Hang on. I was just watching a cat video. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just no, uh, I, I think that they, they have a, a higher sense of purpose. Okay. And, and I think that they, it's, it's an innateness in them that was, you know, born. And then it, I think we're all born with the same thing. I think we're all born with the same capabilities. I think because of the way we're socialized in our lives, we, we rise to it quicker. But I, I, don't, I don't know anyone that, you know, in their life wakes up and says, I can't wait to be stupid. You know, so, so, you know, I don't care who you are. I don't think anyone does that, but I do think we're all, we're all, we all get wired and, and, and the electricity runs through us different ways. 
And so certain things turn on for certain people faster or better than, than others. And so I, you know, I, I do believe that um, there's a sense of purpose for most, most of those leaders. Now it could be a bad purpose or a good purpose. You know, let's be clear. I mean, just like I told you earlier, we got right. asset companies, you got hero companies, you got, you got do-gooders, do-gooders who, man, they, they want to do everything. They want to do it right for the right reasons, but they couldn't make a profit out of a wet paper sack. <laughs> so, you know, and, and they're do-gooder companies. They just keep trying, but they'll never make money. And then there's, there's the bottom liners, you know, bottom liners. These are, these are great companies. They, they're the GEs, the Walmarts, you know, they're, they're making good money. They, they focus on the bottom line, but you know, they got no soul, right? They got no soul. I, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not knocking them. I, I and I like, I, and I'm saying this in the hero factor book, I'm not knocking you. I, I said, pick but pick a side, decide right. what the hell you want to be. And, and I think uh, the leaders can make those determinations fairly quickly. And so for individuals themselves, you know, we've heard, you mentioned a lot of things, pick a side, uh, you know, break free from the past kind of stuff. If there were like one big point that you believe an individual listening could internalize that would put them on the right path to either at least picking a side, regardless of whether it's asshat or hero, any advice or guidance you could give to anybody who, who needs yeah. to make that decision? Two things. One is conditions of satisfaction. You know, really sitting down and understanding your condition of satisfaction for you personally or, or for the business. What is it you want to stand for? What is it you want to do? What is it, you know, you want to leave as your legacy or what is it you want to have people say about you? What is it you want to drive in terms of profit? What is it that you, you know, want to use the profit for? Whatever. What, what's the condition of satisfaction? I don't think, I think we get enamored and we just say, oh, let's run a business. Then we start figuring as we go. Nah, 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 nah. Decide up front, because if you decide up front, that becomes the filter of, and the thing of which you drive all things through. Like, you know, I don't want to work with assholes, right? That's one of the rules. I mean, LeVar Burton, LeVar Burton put that up there, by the way. I give LeVar credit for that. He and Mark Wolf. Mark Wolf's a, product, a producer, did a little The Terminator and a bunch of other ones. And then he and, and, and LeVar were partners. LeVar Burton is an actor in Reading Rainbow. And, and I was backstage with him one place at some point. And I usually don't go out and listen to a lot of other speakers, but I really liked Mark a lot because he's kind of a smart ass. And, and I love LeVar because he's just, he's just a genuine good soul. I mean, the guy is just, he's just a genuine good soul. And um, he's a real family guy, loves his mother. And, and, you know, it's just, it really comes through. And so they, I went out and their first slide was, we don't work with assholes. So I went, man, I love these guys right off the bat. So, um, you know, you know, I want to, I want to build wealth, you know, personally, if I look at my own, I want to build wealth because that's how we keep score. That's how, and I'm not talking about, it doesn't have to be just money, but you know, that is a big piece of it. I, I want to have my children, my grandchildren and their children have a better start at it than I had without right. question, or that my grandmother had, you know, both my grandfather and grandmother, you know, were real manual laborers. My dad, my mom worked hard. You know, I was the first one to go to college, those, that kind of thing. So I, I, want, I want something better so that way. So the second is I want to learn things. I want to I be challenged. I want to know how to do things differently and continue that. You know, people always ask me, Jeff, you know, what, what's, the, what's the worst mistake you ever made? So I don't know. I haven't done it yet. 
you know, um, you know, so meaning that there's a big one coming, man. Okay. It's still coming and, or, or, or a big success. You know, someone says, what's the best thing you ever did? I don't know. I haven't done it yet. So that's kind of how I look at it. And, and then the, the third thing is I want to have fun. I want to enjoy it. I want to do something that even if I didn't get paid for it, I'd want to do it. Right. And, and so that's for me. So what are your, so what are your conditions of satisfaction? So that, and then the second one I mentioned is focus Then focus on it and spend every dying minute doing it and, and, and doing it. I mean, for the last hour and a half, I've been doing invitations to an event that I'm going to go to, um, for, cause I want to make sure they have a really good turnout. And so, you know, so here I am going through 945 LinkedIn connections in the area to see who I should invite one by one by one. I did them, you know, that's focus, man. And are you willing to do that? And here it is. You know, we're recording this on a, on a Saturday morning. You know? Right. Um, well, that, you know, that's, it's an interesting point because I think there are many people and I don't know if it's generational. I don't, I think that's maybe sometimes too easy to wipe it off the generational differences, but I see a lot of, I, I want it all and I want it now not to quote a queen song, but I mean, I, yeah. there's a lack of, there's a lack of understanding that uh, the journey requires effort. And, yeah. and in order to get where you want to be, first off, you need to know where you want to go, which is, you know, is, but no, I don't see a lot of people taking the time to do that, which is unfortunate. Well, you know, we'd love to take a pill or, you know, <laughs> a drink or, you know or whatever. And then instantly it does, but you know, I, look, I found that an idea without, an, with, with an idea, without implementation is nothing but air. And that's the difference between most people who want it, want it and those who, who deliver it and do it. And yeah, I, I, I don't, I think a lot of people don't realize how freaking hard it really is. And, yeah, it's um, a man, it's a struggle. I, it takes a lot of time, but again, if you go back to, if you're doing, if you're headed towards your purpose, you understand what, you know, your conditions are, then is it really that hard? I mean, it's just effort. Like there's a difference between effort and, and struggle. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, no, without question. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I agree with you. you can, I love effort. Don't you? I mean, I like, so I have a place out in South Dakota. Um, I like to get home back there as much as I can. And I really like to get out of my four-wheeler. I like to grab a chainsaw. I like to do all the stuff and I'm hauling logs and, you know, doing brush and doing it. And afterwards, man, I, you could, I could drop. Sometimes I just lay on the ground afterwards. I'm so sweaty, so hot that I, I just would like my wife to come out with the garden hose, just hose me down. Right? <laughs> right. And then, and then let me just lay here, you know? And, and, but don't you feel great? Oh, you it's know, amazing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's amazing. I, exactly. So there's the difference between, you know, struggling and effort, right? Yeah. I mean, you there's know, a, that, it's, there's a reward, the an intrinsic, there's an intrinsic reward for it, right? Yeah. Even if it is, even if there's pain, even if there's I'm going to hurt, because I'm going to hurt the next day. Let's be clear. Right. Cause I am one out of shape guy and <laughs> I am going to hurt. You know, it's every joint in my body is going to hurt. I'm going to go. So I'm going to point to that boo-boo and say, 
That was that was a log. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So let's change the direction a little bit. We ask all of our guests kind of two standard questions at the end of each interview. The first is simply as a revenue executive yourself, you're running C-suite networks. This means you are a prospect for sales professionals that want to get in front of you. Help our audience understand if somebody doesn't have a referral, they don't have you know the, the easy way in which is referral, somebody that they trust. What is the thing that they can do that captures your attention and builds credibility the fastest? Don't waste my freaking time. So here's the deal. You look, I, I'm the most accessible person there is in the world. I put my email out there, my cell phone number out there, everything. When I was the chief marketing officer of East McCutter, let me give you a great example of salespeople. Listen to this, dude. Listen, <laughs> all right? So one, now I drink coffee today because I really like it. But back then, I didn't drink coffee. Someone write me, hey, I want to have, can we have a cup of coffee? No, I don't drink coffee. So shut up. No. So what, you, what is that about? All right, don't do that. Or the guy would then call, call or write and say, hey, I want to save you hundreds of dollars in your sales process. Dude, I run a budget of $17 billion sales and marketing, and you want to save me hundreds of dollars? You've just wasted my freaking time <laughs> just making me read this stupid email. Right. So I, re I remember responding back to this guy because I knew who he was. And he was in Minneapolis at the time, and he was a sales and marketing executive and consultant trying to sell a product. And I wrote back and I said, listen, I really got to have a higher target than hundreds of dollars for my sales guys. So he wrote back thousands. I said, again, let me be clear. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 if you, if you want to talk millions with zeros behind it, I am very interested in what you have to say. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you because you're probably going to come back and tell me that you can add the zeros. I respect you for that because one zero and adding six zeros, no difference. It's just scale. Okay. Right. So I agree with you. All right. Now tell me what, what specific, you know, expertise do you have in our industry or with the types of salespeople that we have that would lead me to believe that you can deliver on that promise? Right. And I never heard, I never heard from the guy again. <laughs> so, so my point is show me the value. You know, what's your 118? What's your elevator pitch? You got eight seconds to capture my attention. I know that to be true because that's the average attention span of an adult, right? So yep. boom, in eight seconds, what you got, tell me what you got. And then, then, then tell me the value you're going to give to me. Don't tell me you work with this company, this company, this company. I don't give a rat's rear end. But you, if you tell me what value you deliver for me specifically, man, I'm paying attention. I'm not right. getting off the elevator. I'm a, you and I are riding up that elevator up and down all day. <laughs> so, you know, if, if that's the case, but, but most people they're it's too generic. It's too bullshit. It's too, too blah, blah, blah. Right. And in most C-suite executives, I don't have time for that crap. Right. I don't have time to teach you how to sell to me. So that's it. Exactly. I love it. I love it. Perfect. All right. Last question. We call it our acceleration insight. One thing, one piece of advice you could tell a sales, marketing, professional service person, one piece of advice you give any professional out there that you believe if they internalize would help them hit their targets or accomplish their goals. What would it be and why? Work harder than anybody else. Be the hardest working and most accessible, accessible person there is out there. That's it. So that's it's, it's really that simple. Yeah, I you know, agree. you can, uh, you out hustle, you can out hustle. And I look, I'm not the smartest guy. I might be the best looking, but I'm not. the <laughs> smartest. Guy, okay? All right. Now, but I tell you what, no one will outwork me. 
Okay. And you, you heard me, I'm sitting here doing letters. Right. Okay? I'll be doing that tonight. I'll be doing that tomorrow. I'll be writing notes all the time. I'll be sending emails. I'll be sending, I'll be doing whatever, you know, I'll send a personal note. I see, I see something remind it and send it to the guy that, you know, I just know he's getting a divorce from his family. I know he's lonely. And I just say, Hey, thinking about you, man. Right. So, you know, whatever, be the hardest working guy out there so that people know if you're the go-to person, you know, uh, and here's the other one. I'll give you one more accelerator. The more you give, the more you get. Right. That's the other piece. I, I'm a giver, and um, but I'm I'm also a taker. Look, I will take your money, but but <laughs> but I will give I will give to you, and and that's that's the other thing people know. I will I and I don't ask for anything for it. What can I help you with? And I really have that. I I try to live that servant mentality because it comes back to you. It always does. Yeah, I agree. 100%. 100%. Excellent. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you today, uh, the hit C-suite networks, LinkedIn, what, what works best for you? Everything. Just go. I mean, you can't find find me. Yeah. It's it's Hazlett, H-A-Y-Z-L-E-T-T, Jeffrey Hazlett. You can find me on LinkedIn, LinkedIn with me or send me an email message or uh, email message or, or, um, you know, find me on my website. I'm, I'm accessible. Excellent. Jeff, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on the show, especially on a Saturday. That's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. Excellent. Again. Yeah, again. let's let's definitely do it again because this is this has been a great. I've truly enjoyed this this conversation with you this morning. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. Check us out at b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with friends, families, coworkers. If you like what you hear, do me a favor, write us a review on iTunes. And until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.